Well, I'm excited to have Bree here today. Um, some of you got to meet her before. I don't know if some of you haven't. Um, we know Teo from Rwanda and the work that they're doing. And, you know, God gives us these windows of opportunity in our lives. You know, we hear of like uh, when people, when they're launching rockets and stuff, they have these launch windows, these times where it's good to launch, other times it's not. And there's times where God gives us a window of opportunity. So I praise God I was at the YMCA on the day that I met Teo. <laughs> And he came here on 10, 10 of 10. I'm able to remember the date that he came here the first time to share and uh, was able to pour a lot into my life and to our lives. And we get the better half today. So, <laughs> so, so we're in good shape. So um, come and share and uh, let me get out of your way so I don't Thank take you. up any of your time. <laughs> so as I have been praying um, throughout the week just about what God would have me share today, I've taken notes and kind of set up an outline and when I came in this morning I left the outline in the car but I'm okay with that I think <laughs> I think I'm just gonna I know what God has laid on my heart and if he, if he continues to speak we'll just share and so like um, you heard earlier Teo wishes he could be with you today but he is in Harvest Fellowship in Shambaugh Iowa so I'm here with you today but we're excited to share with you because um, it's exciting to share what you guys have been a part of because you've been partnering with us and part of this ministry in Rwanda and we get to come and share with you what you've been a part of the testimonies and the victories and it's always been it was on my heart as we were fundraising um, that I am so looking forward to come back and share the victories I'm so yeah. looking forward to come back and share what God has done and I think and what we've seen in Rwanda is Rwanda as well as Africa is very interesting the the reputation in the missions world that the church in Africa is a mile wide and an inch deep and you've seen that because of centuries of missionaries doing things the wrong way and I, I, I even to say they're doing things the wrong way it seems so pretentious to say that you know like we know the right way maybe in a hundred years they're gonna be saying we're doing it the wrong way yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> But still, we've had such a focus on numbers, such a focus on evangelism. Mm -hmm. You have people coming in, and I've seen these huge missions conferences. They come and they say, 3,000 people got saved today, which is wonderful. Hallelujah. Praise God. But then they move on, you know. And there's been no one to stay behind and do life with these people and show them this is what Christian walk every day looks like. This is how we bring Jesus to the streets, to the grocery store, to the markets. You know, this is how we bring Jesus every day. And so it's been lost. And that because of that, we see countries like Rwanda that at the time of the genocide in Rwanda, I don't know if Teo told you, but at the time of the genocide, Rwanda was 83% Christian. And the majority of the people took part in the genocide. Mm -hmm. That was what was so horrific about the genocide. It wasn't the number of people that was killed, which is huge. A million people in 100 days. It's shocking, right? right. But there were more than that. that Would you talk louder, honey? I can't hear you. Yes, maybe I... Yeah, the mic doesn't really amplify, so... Okay. Yeah. Maybe click yeah. that one off Sorry. of there. Sorry. <laughs> However you guys have there. Nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> yes, okay. So, um... At the time of the genocide, Rwanda was 83% Christian. And a million people were killed in 100 days, which is horrific. 
if you think of that many people were killed at that rate during the Jewish Holocaust, mm. there would have been there have been no Jew left in the world. Right. You know. Um, so, but the more horrific thing about the Rwandan genocide is the number of killers. There were more killers than those that were killed because they killed in group fashion. So one person may have taken part in killing 20 different people, but he was in a group, a mob, and so they all had their different parts to play in the killing. And it was the Christians and the Muslims and the pagans who did the killing. There was no distinction among the killers. I mean, you could say there were more Christians that killed just because there were more Christians in the country, right? right? But also the pastors took part in killing. The priests took part in killing. The churches were killing zones where they would invite people in for protection and sanctuary, shut the doors, and either burn them all there or invite the killers to kill to slaughter them in the church. And so there are churches in Rwanda today that the bodies are still there. The bones and the clothes are still there after 20-some years because the country says we don't want to never forget. So you go in and they have not touched them since the genocide. No one has gone in to clean up or bury the bones. They're still there. And in Teo's area, they were predominantly Catholic. Um, And out of 50,000 Tutsi, there were 300 survivors. They're still finding bodies. They're still finding bones. Since we've been there the past two years, they've reburied three thousand, or they've buried three thousand people. They found three thousand more people and buried them. So the memorial in Rukumbeli, where he's from, has gone from thirty-five thousand people to thirty-eight thousand people, and they're still finding more. If you think out of fifty thousand, only three hundred survived. There's still there's still over ten thousand more bodies to find in that area. And this was done by a Christian nation. So it made... It's shocking. It is shocking. And it makes us think, well, it made them think and question, well, what is this we're calling Christianity? Right. And what kind of faith is this? What kind of religion is this? Um, And so we get to go to Rwanda now now today and, and answer the questions that question, what is Christianity? And we don't like to answer it outright. We like to say, well, what do you think it is? Let's look at the Bible. Let's see. Find your own answers. Because for too long, the men and women of God have thought that they are the answer bearers. And it is not our job to give the answers, but to lead them to the one who gives them. Because when we go away, they need to be in relationship with the answer giver. And they need to have that. They shouldn't be dependent on us. And it's happened for too many years that the missionaries come in or people come in, they build the church, and when they go out, everything falls apart. Well, that's not discipleship. That's not spreading the kingdom of God. So, what, one of my favorite verses that I, and one of Teo's favorite as well, is Ephesians 4, where it goes into cha- in chapter 11, where it goes into the what we call the apest. Have you ever heard that term before? The apest, the apostles, prophets, evangelism, shepherds, and teachers. Um, and I love, I'm going to read it for you here. I love the following verses. To me, it just makes me want to dance. Uh, when it says that, um, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now here's the golden part. To equip his people 
for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach all we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a church I want to be a part of. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And the thing is, we've come in for too many years with one man up front telling everybody, do this, do this, do this. Well, everyone just sits there and, and nothing is asked of them. We are not, a, the church is not a pastor and the people. The church is the apostles, the prophets, the shepherds, the teachers, and every single one of you are a apostle or a prophet, a shepherd or a teacher. He has equipped us all for the equipping of the saints. And so it's exciting to, that we get to go to people and say, no, you're not a, a bench warmer, right? You're not a pew sitter. You know, you are. What has God gifted you as? Let's ask him. Let's spend time and ask God. Has he made you as an apostle? Has he made you a prophet? Has he made you a teacher? You know, even more than that. It's so exciting to see throughout the scriptures that God gives so many different listings of the giftings. You know, and and he showed us so many times we are not. I, I don't know how we got there. How did we get there that a church has become a man up front and everyone else just fill in the pews or fill in the seats? How did we get there? It is nowhere in scripture. He tells us so many times we are a body and everyone has their part. And and the the hands are no more glorious than the feet. Or the knee joints. You know, every part serves its purpose. And where did we lose that? We lost it somewhere along the way. And so we get to go to people in Rwanda and say, what's your part to play? What's your part to play? What does God want you to do? What does he purpose you for? And so it's exciting. And um, one of our biggest testimonies the whole time that we've been in Rwanda happened after we left. When we weren't even there. So the people we've been working with and our ministry partners, they have been, they've just really caught the love of God and the fire of God. And they've gone out and they're bringing people to the Lord and beginning to disciple them, you know. So they have no problem with the evangelism. They have no problem with the discipling. But they had a problem with the baptism. Because they would come to Teo and say, okay, we brought the people to the Lord, come baptize them. And Teo would say, you brought them to Jesus, you baptize them. Amen. <laughs> and they would say, no, 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 we can't baptize, we can't baptize. And it's even more in Rwanda. I think there's even more freedom in America for people, non-pastors to baptize, but, but not that much. I mean, in some denominations, it could never happen, right? But in Rwanda, it's often... Even the associate pastors can't baptize. Sometimes even main pastor can't baptize. It has to be like the bishops, oh, yeah. right? Or the apostles, those that have a high ranking, right? And they'll say, no, you baptize. The church, the Bible never says that it has to be this this powerful man in charge. The, the Great Commission says, make disciples baptizing them. And so Teo has been telling even our ministry leaders who are leading entire villages in ministry, he says, baptize them. They say, no, 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 we can't baptize. He says, you baptize. I'm not going to no. baptize your people anymore. Absolutely. And so when we were in transit coming here to America, in one of the airports, we got a picture on WhatsApp of one of our ministry leaders baptizing. And we were like, woo, yes! Lord. 
Yes, but we had to step out, I think, until he thought, okay, I can do it because I can't lean on Teo, right. so I'm going to do it. And so for us, that's super exciting that, because you always get nervous when you, you plant something and it's your baby, right? right. And, you're, and to step out for three months, what's going to happen? And to see that God's like, we don't need to be there. He's there, yeah. right? And so that's been super exciting. So we're here now, and um, it's Christmas, mm -hmm. and I love it. I love Christmas. I love, you know, all these memories of um, family Christmases and times, and I love all the old Christmas carols, and I love the cookies and candy canes, and all those things are so nostalgic to me. Teo hates it. Teo hates it because he says he hates the fact that Christian stations only, like some Christian stations only play Christmas music mm -hmm. from this time to the end, you know, until Christmas, until the end, until Christmas, right? Um, there are a couple stations as we're traveling. Um, we, for some reason, we don't have CDs with us and our DVD player doesn't work in our van, so we listen to the radio. And so many radio stations are coming across. It's only Christmas music. And every once in a while, we come across a Christian station that will go back and forth. It'll play a normal worship song or a Christmas or a Christian song and then a, and then a Christmas song. But the Christmas songs are always about Jesus, right? But some Christian stations, they don't. Some Christian stations just play all Christmas music, whether it's Rudolph or Frosty or Santa Claus is coming to town or uh, the first Noel, you know? They play all those and it upsets Teo so much. And he's like, he says that we've been doing Christmas wrong, that Americans do Christmas wrong, you know? And a big part of me wants to be like, oh, leave it alone. Let us have our fun, you Grinch, you know? <laughs> be like, it's Christmas, it's we build snowmen and make cookies and sing songs and it's Christmas, you know? But the other part of me knows he's right, you know? Not only, and I liked your sign as I walked in, you know? Jesus is the reason for the season. But, but I think not only have we been doing Christmas wrong, we've been doing Christianity wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because just like we have been looking to the gifts at Christmas, we've been looking to the gifts on Sunday. You know, I think the Church of America and the Church, really, the broad Church of the world, we, you know, the Church goes through these phases throughout history. You know, we are now in a time of grace, right? This is the time of grace that we are in, and it's really affecting the Church in an interesting way. And I'm, I'm excited to see what's going, what's coming next. I have a friend um, that passed away a couple years ago from cancer but before she died one thing she was saying is she was saying that we've been living in a time of the son and it's and god wants to take us into a time of the father which the thing is it's all god we can't have christianity aside from christ right, right? but they but they've forgotten the reverence of the father we've forgotten the honor of the father you know we've focused too much on one part of God, but you can't separate Jesus without the Father. Mm -hmm. You can't separate them. They are one. And so she said, and I'm excited to see, and I'm just I want to step back and just watch and see what God where God is taking the church. Because I think back my um one of my daughters has been studying in school about um the Revolutionary War time and about how America was being founded as a country. And during that time <clears throat> we homeschool, and she's been doing a, a Christian curriculum, ACE, 
And in that, they studied Jonathan Edwards mm. and his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Yep. Oh, my. We couldn't preach that today. <laughs> right? Can you imagine preaching sinners in the hands of an angry God in a church today? Instead, we have messages, God's not mad at you. Right. You know? How did we go from sinners in the hands of an angry God to God's not mad at you? And I'm not saying one's more right than the other. You know, I know there's truth in both. Mm -hmm. But we're just going through this wave now. Mm -hmm. We're going through this wave. And what we've done in this time of grace this time of Jesus is we've stopped looking for what we can give yeah. and we're looking at what we can get. Mm -hmm. Christianity is what we can get. Do we get prosperity? Do we get peace? Do we get all these things we get, right? But we've stopped looking at, we've stopped noticing the fact that Christianity is about dying to self. Yeah. That our whole faith should be built on what we are giving to God because He's already given it all. You know, if we look back through the history of our human existence, he has always been about giving himself. He's given us so many other blessings. He's given us the blessings of the earth, you know. He's given us the animals and the trees and these things that are so amazing. But if we look back in the moment of our creation, he gave us himself. When we are created in his very image, he put the image of himself in us, a gift of himself. And if you look down through... Even when Jesus came, he was Emmanuel. He was God with us. Yes, he, he gave us the gift of himself when he took um, the, our burdens upon him. and He took our punishment. He gave us the gift of himself when he died for our sins on the cross. He gave us the gift of himself when he sent the Holy Spirit. Yes, he, he continues to give us the gift of himself. And we look aside. We push that gift aside and look for what else you got, God. You know? Where's my prosperity? Where's my blessing? Where's my where's my peace in the midst of all this thing? Where's my easy life? And we've stopped looking at the gift he's given us from the our beginning of our creation as he continues to say, I give you myself. Yes. Yeah. And it's enough. It's enough yes. just to see the gift of himself. So and, and the funny thing is we know as people, we all know someone that we just really get frustrated with because they're a taker. Mm -hmm. Everybody here know a taker, mm -hmm. right? Um, people are just takers, right? We know people, they're like, oh, they only want to talk to me when they want something. Or they only come around when they want something. So I had an interesting situation in Rwanda. I've been going through these past two years, culture shock. Mm -hmm. And it's normal and it's ugly, but it's okay. And, and God's using it. It's a refining moment, you know? It's where God puts us under fire and brings all the ugliness to the, to the top, you know? Um, and one of the things I've really struggled with in Rwanda is that when people see me, they don't see Brie. They don't see me. They see my white skin. Sure. And what that means is I walk around with a million dollars in my pocket just ready to give it out to whoever asks, you know? And so when, and, and we've done it to ourselves. You know, as we've come in for years and years and years, giving, 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 but not, not doing anything to build them up. It's the whole give a man a fish yeah. principle, right? But but other than that, you do. You, so I said before, right, that Africa has the reputation of being a mile wide and an inch deep. Do you know what they say about the American church? Mm. That we come with money but no power. Amen. Uh, yeah. That's what they say. Amen. And so we need to 
know that we are not, we've set up this reputation that when they come to us, they look for money, but they don't look for power. They don't look for, for depth. They don't look for living water and, and the bread of life. They don't look for that in us. They look for, where's my bread for breakfast? Where's my clean water, you know, to drink? And so when they look at me, they see, they don't look for, what do I have? What's the Jesus I can bring to them? What's the money I can bring to them? Yeah. And so I've been hurt several times in Rwanda where people, I thought they wanted to be my friend, that they were being friendly to me because they wanted to be my friend. And the truth is they were just really waiting to see what they could get out of me. And it hurts. It hurts as a person. It wounds us. It wounds our pride. It wounds our sensitivities. And so one day I'm doing my devotions. And it said in the devotions, how we treat the poor is who we really are because we expect nothing back. And I began to argue with God. And I began to say, but God, I don't even want to be around them. They're so mean to me. They don't even care about me. You know, they don't even see me as a person. They don't even really want to get to know me or spend time with me. They only come to me wondering, what can I get? What can I get? And sometimes they pretend to be to want to know me. Sometimes they pretend that they want to be close to me, but really they're just waiting to see what they can get out of me. And I'm complaining to God about this. And you know what God responds to me? He says, now you know how it feels. Amen. Right there. Beat me down <laughs> right there. I was humbled to the ground. Wow, we do, don't we? Yes, we do. We treat God the same way. We're takers, yeah. aren't we? We're takers. Yep. We come to God thinking about what, you're gonna, what are you going to give me, God? And when we praise Him, we praise Him for the things we get from Him, for not who He is. And I lead a, um, a group for kids, a um, Bible club for the kids in Rwanda. And one thing we continually revisit is the difference between praise and thanks. Because we have really confused them throughout the years. We've mashed them into one. But the difference is praise glorifies God for who he is. And thanks, thanks him for what he's done. But they're different. We have many times when you ask us to praise God, it's all thanks. God, you've done this. God, you've done this. God, you've done this. But we've stopped saying, God, this is who you are. God, I praise you because this is who you are. Regardless of what you've done for me in my life or what you will do, this is who you are. And that's reason enough to glorify you and shout and praise you because it's who you are. Yes. Um, and also, we have, I don't know where we, where we got this idea that we're smarter than God. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it just continues to tickle me, or not tickle me, but like, it just, I want to laugh and cry at the same time. Mm -hmm. That we have this idea in a lot of mainline churches in America that science has to prove God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The science that studies the creation, you know, of the creator, we think that we have to wait for science to prove him, you know? And so we question the Bible and we question his word because science hasn't proven it yet. All right? But we do the same in our everyday life. We do the same in the way we work and we make our plans. A, a friend of mine, actually a good friend of mine recently, um, he made a comment uh, and he said, well, isn't the way it works is that we do what we think is right and then we just ask God to bless it? <laughs> like, no! <laughs> no! No, that's not how it works. We don't just do what we want and ask God to bless it. No, even Jesus didn't do that. Right. You know, even Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done, knowing that he was human in flesh and his flesh would fight against the way of God. You know, 
He said, not my will, but your will be done. And so we need to get back to the heart of the Father. We need to get back to the face, seeking the face of God and stop looking at his hands all the time and what we're going to get from those hands. And so I really feel like in this Christmas season, in this church season, in this, in this season of our life in the church right now, we need to get back to seeking the face and the heart of God and stop looking for his handouts. Yeah. And um, so I wanted to do something with you guys this morning. I wanted to just take some time to wait on him and ask him to show us who he is. I am, Teo and I met through an organization called YWAM. And the motto of this missions organization is know God and make him known. And I I just love that, the simplicity of it. Know him and make him known. Um, I think for too long we've tried to make him known, we didn't even know him ourselves. Amen. And so we need to know him. And so I want to take some time this morning to get to know him better. Yes. I want to take some time just to sit with you guys in quiet and rest and just wait for him to show us, reveal more of himself to us because I want to know him more. You know, I want to know his heart. I want to know his face. I want to know him. And so if you guys would allow, I'd love to do an exercise with you guys where we just take some time and ask him to reveal who he is today. And when we do that, we're going to wait in silence. I know some people hate silence and they get so awkward with silence, but we've got to learn to love it because he's in the silence. Yeah. You know, he's in the whisper. He's in the silence and we can embrace it. So I want to wait in silence with you this morning. And as God reveals something to you, speak it out and praise him for it. Just say, you know, whatever words he puts on your heart, you can say, I praise you, Lord, because you are complete. I praise you, Lord, because you are strong yet merciful. I praise you, Lord, because you are shalom, peace. In you there is completeness. There is nothing lacking. I praise you, for you are justice. So speak out. And even if he puts a song on your heart, don't be afraid to speak it, to sing it out. Um, Isn't that how it was in the early church? Whoever came with a word or a song, they brought it, so let's do it. So let's just take some time and, and just be free. Lord, I just praise you that it is true that we cannot outgive you. Mm-hmm. As we receive from you, let us know that we need to turn around and give it to others. Yeah. And that's what forms that blessing of your unforgiving, mm-hmm. or your of your giving of gifts, Lord, that you fill us up to overflowing and, and just, we give to others and let them know that all we give to them comes from you, Lord. That we can give of nothing worthwhile from ourselves but what you give us, Lord. Mm-hmm. And each word that you give us, Lord, let it bless someone else, that they might bless someone in return. And let that flow continue throughout all life, Lord. That the giving of gifts is where it starts and where it ends. We, we receive the gift of everlasting life at the end of our life, Lord. And that that's another giving of you, of the promise of eternity. Lord, let us all understand how the giving works, that you never stop giving. As we empty ourselves 
by giving to others. You fill us back up with more to give. And I just praise you for that knowledge, Lord, in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. I praise you, God, because you are all-knowing, yet you are intimately unique. I praise you, God, because you are to be feared. That you are bigger than our human brains can comprehend. That we could live 500 years on this earth seeking you and never know you to fullness. I thank you that there is more to come. That when we see you someday face to face, we'll see you in your fullness. Praise you, God, because you are patient. I praise you, God, because you are everything. Mm. Yeah. I praise you because you are love. And there is no true love apart from you. I praise you that you are a light, pure, unfiltered light. you Lord that in your mighty power that if there will come a day that every tongue will confess mm -hmm. every knee will bow that you are Lord yeah mm -hmm. I praise you Lord for being the great physician that you take care of your children when they are sick Mm -hmm. in mind and body, Lord, and I just praise you for always taking care of the ones that need it. Mm -hmm. Praise you, Lord, for you are spirit and you are life. Mm -hmm. Praise you because you are wisdom. You are truth. I praise you, Lord, because you are fire, you are rain, mm. and you are wind. Mm. Yeah. 
praise you, Lord, for being our Savior. Yeah. And for never forsaking us, Father. Never. And for sending your Son, Father, that he died on the cross for our sins and for all the love that he gives us. Yeah. Hmm. So we often hear quoted 1 Corinthians 2, chap, uh, um, chapter 2, verse 9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. We hear that quoted all the time, but we rarely hear the next verse quoted, and I think that's where the treasure is. The next verse says, these things are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. No human mind can conceive what God has prepared, but these are the things He has revealed to us by His Spirit. Amen. We are not blind sheep, you know. We are indwelt with a person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And He reveals these things to us. I thank you, Lord, that your wisdom is given freely. That you give freely to those who ask. Yeah. Does anybody have a song on your heart? Or even more words of praise? Well, there was, um, I've heard it mentioned a couple of times this Christmas, Christmas season, um, Silent Night. Mm. Um, and um, the inspiration for writing it, I don't know if anybody's heard how it happened. There was a church and the organ was broke. And so the guy was praying and then he wrote Silent Night, which is one of the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> one of the everlasting ones. Came out of the moments of and, uh, quiet. And it's, and it's so inspirational to think, you know, that's, that's a lot of times how we receive stuff from God, you know, mm. it's a, circumstance out of our control and then, and then yeah. God takes it and I thought that was, that was pretty cool so mm -hmm. silent night's a good one yeah. can you lead us in it? sure I will yeah. try okay. <coughs> silent night holy night always come Silent night, holy 
in our heart should tell the story of our knowledge of who Christ mm. is. Let me see if I can find it. And I, this morning, <laughs> th this message you brought was confirmation of what the Lord gave mm. me this morning. I. I posted stuff on Facebook all morning and a prayer and everything, and it was all about uh, everything you said. It was, you know, it, it was just like message of turning our flames up high and, and letting the light of Christ shine so unbelievers could see the light of Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it just amazes me how God can give us confirmation through other people when He we get messages and we and and we think now was should I have said that or mm -hmm. posted that or whatever? But I have no doubt now that the words that I posted came from God because of He gave me confirmation through what you were saying and how you was describing what's going on in the churches and mm -hmm. such things. Uh, I believe, yeah, you was talking about there's something coming after grace. And what I'm getting is that what's coming after grace is Jesus is going to come back and humble mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. We're going to go into a, a period of humility. Amen. So you know, be we, it. We've got to let God be God. Yeah, right? We've tried to be God too long, haven't we? Uh, we've tried to be we've tried to be God yes, for too long. Yes, yes. So I have the words here to a holy night. I think I'm just gonna read them because it's it's good. I'm, I'm gonna get up here because I've gotten hearing aids. Out, okay, I'm still having trouble hearing you because of this cold. Oh, sorry. So I have the words to a holy night. Oh, okay. I'm gonna read them. Okay, that's all right. So sometimes when we sing, we just get caught up with it. But I want to meditate on them because they're good. Okay, they're good. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Oh. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. 
O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night divine, O night divine. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Till he appeared and the soul felt his worth. Those are. Where are we going to be when he appears? All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we might be. We might be. Yeah. So I have a song. It's not a Christmas song, but I have a song that's really been on my heart, I think, a lot, even this past couple of years, that I want to share with you. I hope you know it because I'm not a good soloist. <laughs> but um, it says, Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. And Lord, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, O God of Jacob. And Lord, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, O God of Jacob. Amen. I just feel that over the church. Yeah. Cleanse our hands for the things we have dirtied ourselves with. And let us truly be a generation that seeks the face and heart of the I am. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Does anybody else have anything else that God's put on your heart this morning to share? Have anything else? You want to close us? Sure. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I just praise you and thank you for all that you're doing. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for uh, directing the thoughts and words and uh, all that was happening here today. I praise you for the uh, confirmation and the focus in your word and uh, how you're just bringing up um, things that are so timely and how you are always just so involved with all that is going on. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing uh, to sacrifice, being willing to pay that price for us that we could never pay. I thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to call out to us and accept us even when we don't deserve it. I thank you, Father, that you were willing to make that sacrifice. I thank you, Father, that you are willing to take your glory and put it in clay pots. As much as cracked pots as we all are, Father, I thank you that you make us whole and you fill us with your glory. The most beautiful temple, the most beautiful buildings can't contain your glory, and yet you're willing to make us your fullness, uh, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. That, wow. uh, as unrighteous as you are, we are the righteousness of you in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father, I just praise you for your majesty. I praise you for your 
brightness. I praise you, Father, that we are in a new day. I praise you, Jesus, that you are shining forth. I praise you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us and around us and making the path clear and straight. I praise you, God, that we are in a time of great blessing. I praise you, Father, that we are part of a kingdom that is advancing and that will move forth violently throughout the world, Amen. not in the violence that the world sees it, but with a violent love with a violent sacrifice, with a violent giving, with a violent surrender, with a willingness of people to humble themselves and lay down their lives and just be part of what you are doing. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to bring you glory. Thank you, Father, because we can't do it on our own. And I praise you and I thank you that you choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I praise you and thank you for the foolish things that you are doing in the world because it's so above anything that man could come up with in their yeah, wisdom. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, that this is no end or even um, a back step or anything like that. That This is just the early beginnings of what you are oh. doing. And I praise you that we can mm -hmm. see it even when traveling to see the fruit of the labor in Africa people being baptized as the way it should be according to scripture i just praise you and thank you for this new day i praise you and thank you for this new beginning i praise you and thank you that the foundation that's been laid year after year decade after decade the things that your holy spirit has done to prepare us for this time that the building can move forward and begin we'll start to see more and more and more of the structure as it goes up of the covering as it comes and uh, the protection and the light that will be there for the storms that are out there, the darkness that's out there, that we will be in light and shelter and peace in you. And I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.